But uh, we are in the series Level Up looking at different uh, Old Testament kings and how their actions either helped themselves and the people of their nation to draw closer to the heart of God or further away. And, and what can we learn from that? And so when we started uh, on last week, what we learned, or two weeks ago, what we learned was that basically uh, the, the crux of leveling up is this, that the heart of leveling up is living purposefully as you deny yourself. Leveling up means living purposefully as you deny yourself. At some point, if you are going to align your life your attitude, your actions, your behaviors, your values, the things that you prioritize most, if you're going to align that with the heart of your heavenly father, then Jesus himself made it very, very clear. If you want to follow me, if you want to be in line with me, if you want to live a life that's in step with me, this is what you need to do. Deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. So anyone... I don't care where you are in your spiritual journey. If you're just starting out and you want to take a next step and, and get one level closer to God, you have to deny yourself. If you've been following Jesus for 50 years and you know everything, you know what you still have to do? Deny yourself. It's at the heart of leveling up. Because what we learned uh, on the first week was that we are required to step up in our commitment. We need a greater commitment. And so at the heart of leveling up is this. The heart of leveling up is always the heart. The heart of leveling up is always the heart. This whole series is about how do we align our hearts with the heart of our Heavenly Father. And so we talked a couple weeks ago about the need greater commitment you must have a greater commitment in pursuing the word of God. This morning, we're going to talk about the fact that if you want to level up, the next step in leveling up means there is an enemy that you need to fight. And you're going to need, it's a fight to the death. Now, I know some of you are thinking, fighting and leveling up, I don't understand the correlation. And, and a lot of us don't. But here's one thing that I've learned, that there is no greater battle that you'll ever fight, no greater uh, uh, war you're ever going to be involved in than the battle for your spiritual journey, the battle for your walk with Christ, the battle for your heart, for your soul, for your spirit. It is a battle, and make no mistake about it. It's, not a, ba it's a battle that Jesus won, but it's a battle that we continue to fight. If you think your spiritual journey is supposed to be easy peasy, light and breezy, just skip along and you're never going to have to do some fighting. You are gravely, gravely mistaken. And because of that, and so many Christians feel like that, we are never willing to engage in the battle that we need to fight in order to progress in our walk with the Lord, in order to level up. Here's what it says in the book of Ephesians. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is a spiritual battle happening, and it is for your heart, it's for your spirit, it's for your soul, and it's not something we talk about very often. We have all kind of mis- uh, understanding of what spiritual warfare is and how it works and, what it, and how it operates and how it functions. But what I'm telling you is this, 
the battle in spiritual warfare is for something very specific. Spiritual warfare is a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your heart. And it always will be. So if you're in a spiritual battle, it's for your heart or it's for the heart of someone you know, you love, you care about. It may be manifest in the physical. There may be a sickness, a disease. It may be um, bondage to some kind of addiction or a lifestyle that's outside of God's word. But, the, but beyond the externals, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's a battle for your heart, for your spirit, for your soul. So we see this played out in the Old Testament, uh, oftentimes this enemy that we need to fight. In the Old Testament, it, it's often revealed in one of two ways, an enemy, and it's the same enemy, but either attacks from inside, it's an, it, it kind of infiltrates from the inside, or it attacks from the outside. So we're going to look at a king from uh, the Old Testament, a king named Asa. Now, again, I mentioned this last week. At this point in history, the nation of Israel had had a civil war. So it's divided into two kingdoms. One of them is called the kingdom of Israel. The other is the kingdom of Judah. Now, Asa is the king of, of the kingdom of Judah. And this is what it says about him, starting in Second uh, Chronicles 14. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed, now look at some of these things. He removed the foreign altars from the high places. He smashed the sacred stones. He cut down the Asherah poles. And then uh, it goes on and he says, he removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin. Not just from part of it, everywhere. He went to battle. He smashed, he broke up, he tore down. And then it says this, King Asa also disposed his grandmother Oh, I know some of you are thinking, I'd like to dispose my grandmother. All she's ever doing is telling me what I'm doing wrong. Um, he disposed his grandmother, Maka, from her position as queen mother. Now, there's a reason why. It's not just because he didn't like his grandmother. He probably loved his grandmother. It's probably a hard decision in some ways because of his uh, reverence for her. But there was a reason he did it. Because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Asa cut down and broke it up and burned it. Okay, he didn't just, you know, let's just put it outside. It says, he cut it down, he broke it up, and he burned it in the Kidron Valley. Asa fought. He said, I'm gonna deal with this, and the issue, the enemy that he was dealing with was the whole idea of idol worship, false gods. And idol worship and false gods are huge. They're huge in God's economy. So much so that you know, who's ever heard of this thing called the Ten Commandments? All right, two out of the ten, as a matter of fact, not just the first two of the Ten Commandments are about idol worship and false gods. Here's how it's put in the book of Exodus. You shall have no other gods before me, no false gods. Don't put anything first in your life except me. You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything and uh, in order to bow down to it or worship it. So God takes this very serious. Now, the Bible is not teaching us that you have to put the God of the Bible first before all the other gods, that there are other gods out there, that there are other real gods, and that God of the Bible just happens to be the most powerful of all the gods. The Bible makes it clear throughout its pages, there is one and only one God. 
Behold, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. There's one God. But false gods, idols can creep into our lives. And God wants to warn us about this. He takes it very, very serious. And lest you think, and I've heard people say this, well, God's got an ego. He just wants everyone to worship him. (laughs) We're going to learn. This isn't about God on an ego trip. Everyone should worship me. This is about God saying, I want something for you. I want something for you. I want something for you. So God's warning us in the first two commandments. And this is basically, this is the Pastor Justin paraphrase of the first two commandments. Put God first and make sure what you put first is God. Put God first in your life and make sure what you put first is God. So we could all say, yes, God comes first. And then we put something first in our lives, but it's not God. It's an idol. It's a false God. And those things can come in many shapes and forms. It could be anything that you put in your life that is a higher priority than God and the things of God. It can be a career. It could be finances. It could be a position. It could be a role. It could be a relationship. Anything that you put in your life that is before God has the potential to become uh, an idol in your life. And the reason that God is so concerned about this is that he knows something. God knows something about you. He knows something about me. He knows something about all of us. And it's something we all know if we're honest with ourselves. And it's this, whatever, 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 whatever you place first in your life will determine the course of your life. Whatever you place first in your life will ultimately determine the course of your life. It will influence your decisions Your actions, your attitudes, your behaviors, your values, what you say is acceptable, what is unacceptable, the places you go, the people you go there with, it will will determine everything. It will determine how you treat people. What you place first in your life will determine how you invest your resources. And it can come in many shapes and forms. So, what Asa did was he, he became king and he looked and he said, there's these false gods, there's this, uh, these idols, this, this worship of these things that aren't the one true God. And he says, I am going to utterly destroy them because Asa understood something. If what you place first in your life will ultimately determine the course of your life, then if you're not willing to go and wage an all-out battle against those things, you will either destroy them or they will destroy you. You will either destroy the idols in your life or the idols in your life will destroy you. But it, you, can't, you can't dabble around and say, I've got some idols and they're okay. I mean, God's God and he's first sometimes, but other times he's not first because the idols take precedent. But I can convince myself that God's first. Listen, there's a lot of us who convince ourselves that God's first and we're not willing to go to battle. We're not willing to fight. We're not willing to completely and totally destroy the, uh, the enemy in our lives. And as a result, and you, you've known people, over time, their life ends up in ruins. And you can always, almost, almost every time, I've sat and done so much counseling with people, and I can almost every time trace it back to some idle Something, they might want to call it an idol, you call it what you want, but some idol in their life that they weren't 
willing to remove. I'm going to pursue my career before my marriage. I'm going to pursue pleasure before my marriage. And pleasure could come in the form of sex or food. It can come in the form of I'm going to travel or I'm going to uh, you know, just pursue uh, experiences. Listen, none of those things are bad. I mean, it's, it's just if we place them ahead of God. It can come in the form of I'm going to pursue my career before God. I'm going to pursue anything before God. I'm going to prioritize it. I'm going to elevate it. I'm going to revere it. So Asa comes in and he says, I'm going to utterly and completely destroy this enemy. And what we find is that the, the whole idea of, of idols, false gods, uh, idol worship can come in three different forms. And so we see it in what Asa does. And so the first one is this, things. Things, idols are tangible things, materialistic things. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think, what idols do I have in my life? Now, I know almost probably uh, 99% of us will say, don't have any. No, don't have any. I'm good. I like this message. Uh, I don't have any idols. Okay, listen, that's my default. I don't have any. I don't have any. But step back. Here's what I want you to do. Think about everything in your life that's not a person. Everything. Everything in your life that's not a person. Homes, cars, investments, finances, health, your appearance, your talents, your skills, your abilities, a position, a title, a business that you own. Think about everything that's not a person. Now think of all those things. What is it that you would strive the most to protect? That you would, you would be terrified if you lost? That would strike at the sense of self if it was taken from your life? That, it may not be an idol, but be very, very, very careful because that, if it's not an idol, can quickly become an idol. The idol of, I'm a grandma. Listen, that's a wonderful thing. My wife is the greatest Nana that I know. But I'm telling you, that can be an idol. That can be an idol. The idol of being a business owner. I'm a successful business owner. Okay, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. So watch those things. So there are things in our lives that can be idols. And be mindful of them. Here's the next thing. There are places. Asa went in and, and removed the high places. Listen, we all know. We all know. You know this. It's one of the reasons you're here this morning. We all know that there are places, environments, locations where we can go that move us closer to the heart of God. But we also know there are places locations, environments that we can go to that draw us away from the heart of God. So watch those places in your life. There are places, there are homes, establishments, businesses, locales that you know for you when you go there, it doesn't bring you closer to God. It causes you to do things that you normally wouldn't do. Laugh at things you normally wouldn't laugh at. Say things you normally wouldn't say. Pursue things you normally wouldn't pursue. Laugh at things you normally wouldn't laugh at. Do all kinds of stuff. And we have those. It can be a business. 
When I go to that business, I mean, I'm one way, and then you go to work, and all of a sudden, you become tyrannical. All of a sudden, you go, and it's all about the bottom line and making money, and I don't care who I have to walk on. But it can also be places where you go, and, you know, I wouldn't sit at home and get stoned, but man, going there, you line up the shots and take them down, you light up or inject or whatever it is that you're doing, and you end up in a mess. There are places that you go that you see his smile and those little dimples, and you say, if I was, if I was at church, I wouldn't be pursuing him. But here, he looks real fine. So, yeah. <laughs> so the point is there are places that we go that we just have to say, I can't, I can't go. I have to remove that. I have to ruthlessly remove those places from my life. And the third is this, people. Asa deposed his grandmother. There are people in your life that are going to harm you, that are going to hurt you, that are going to lead you in a direction that you don't wanna go. See, every person that you interact with has some level of influence in your life. Now, next week, we're gonna dive into this. Next week, we're gonna talk about the advice that you must listen to. If you wanna level up, there's advice you have to listen to, but there's also advice you need to ignore. But one thing that I know is everyone that you interact with has some influence in your life. There are people that have positive influence. There are people that have small, neutral, you know, it's influence, but it's not much. You know, the cashier at the grocery store, they're influencing you, but not much. And then there are people that are a negative influence, but everyone's going to influence you at some level. And, and, and so I just want to warn you, I want you to, this is a lesson for life. And I said, we're going to talk about this more next week, but please hear me in this. The people you spend the most time with will influence you far more than you will influence let me say that again, because I don't think some of you believe it. The people you spend the most time with will influence you far more than you will influence them. I know some of you are saying, no, 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 I'm an influencer. I'm a leader. Listen, I know everyone is convinced that they are the influencer, not the influencee. But I have heard countless, countless, countless stories of people who believe that they were the exception, except that they weren't. And you know how I know this is true? Because the Bible tells us. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians. Don't be misled. Don't fool yourself. Don't think you're the exception to the rule. Don't think that somehow, because you are so good, right, holy, moral, upstanding, of such high character, that you will not be influenced by the people around you. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. People will influence you far more than you influence them. So surround yourself with positive influencers. Yes, you will influence those in your life, but they'll influence you. Surround yourself with positive, life-giving, affirming people, people who value God's word, people who are walking in alignment with the heart of God, people who are pursuing the, the things of the Lord. Listen, we all, negative influencers are easy to identify. So all you need to do is say, okay, when it comes to negative influencers, how do I know if they're negative? Do they encourage you to pursue God more or less? They, do they encourage you 
to greater obedience to the word of God, more or less? Do they encourage you to greater holiness of life, more or less? Do they, do they challenge you to greater devotion to the things of God, more or less? To increase fruit of the spirit in your life, generosity, compassion, kindness, more or less? And if the answer is there a negative influence, then be mindful of how much time you spend with them. Now listen to me, I, I understand. I know that so many of us here are committed to relationships with friends, family members, coworkers, classmates that are far from God. And we're doing everything we can to build relationships with them so that we can invite them to come in here, to come and experience, to come in and, and see and ask questions and explore the things of God in hopes that they will enter into a life-changing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we have to keep that commitment to those relationships central to our lives. But I said earlier, the people you spend the most time with will influence you far more than you will influence them. So yes, have them in your life. Yes, encourage them, but don't make them the primary go-tos in your life. And if the primary go-to people in your life are negative influencers, please hear me, be free. Be free, be free to walk away from those relationships. Never, 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 never be afraid to end a negative influencing relationship. Never. Because that relationship can become an idol. That relationship can become a false god. Now there's one other person that can become a false god in your life, and that's self. And that's so much of where we are in our culture today. Self, my self, uh, my sense of self-worth, my sense of self-identity, uh, my sense of myself uh, sexually. And we elevate self to an idol. And so if I feel that I need to do this, if I feel that I'm supposed to act this way, we put what we want ahead of what God instructs. And we elevate ourselves to a false God. So what we need to be willing to do is get rid of some stuff, walk away from some places, and maybe turn our back on some people. Because if you're not willing to fight that fight, if you're not willing to tear them down, break them up, burn them in the Kidron Valley, you will not destroy the enemy. The enemy will destroy you. So you have to regularly, consistently ask yourself, Cultivated as part of your uh, spiritual rhythm of life. Am I allowing any idols in my life? See, this isn't a one-off exercise. You ask yourself once, you say no, and you're good. Idols will creep in, they'll creep in, they'll creep in. So you have to regularly ask yourself, are there any idols in my life? So that, that's the, the sense of the idols, uh, the sense of a false god from internally. But what about externally? Because we see this in Asa uh, as well as he was the king. So here he is. He is the king and a, a battle's about to happen. The, the Cushites are going to march on the kingdom of Judah. And they are outnumbered. They're outmanned. They're outgunned. He knows we can't win. So this is what happens. It tells us in Second uh, Chronicles. The Cushites marched out with an army of thousands. Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord... There's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Please help us, 
O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. And the Lord struck down the Cushites. We rely on you. Hassa says, listen, I, I, I'm not looking to any external support for protection, for provision, for safety, for deliverance. God, you're the only one. And God responds. Years later, remember I told you that the, the kingdom of Israel is torn in two. There's two nations. So years later, the kingdom of Israel to the north decides they're going to invade the kingdom of Judah to the south. They're going to invade Asa and his people. Asa says, uh, we can't win. And so what does he do? He makes an alliance with another kingdom, the king of Aram. And he says to the king, I'm going to pay you money so you can protect us. And then this is what God has to say about that. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. In other words, they're your enemy. But you said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I'm going to look to you for deliverance. And so God would have come in and not only protected you from the kingdom of Israel, he would have eventually delivered that kingdom into your hands and you would have been safe because God can protect you. But because you relied on external things, because you relied on something other than God, you will not defeat them. We're not the Cushites, a mighty army. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And now this is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Here it is. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord search back and forth throughout the whole earth. And when he sees someone who is fully committed to him, who's torn down every idol, every false God, who says, I rely 100% on God and God alone for my future, for my protection, for my provision, for my safety, for my everything. God says, I will show myself strong on your behalf. Because God knows that at some point in your life and in my life, it's gonna hit the fan. You say, what's gonna hit the fan? Ask the bumper sticker. At some point, things are going to go bad. At some point, you're going to hit a crisis. At some point, you're going to hit a point of need. At some point, everything in your life is going to feel like it's dangling by a thread and you're going to lose it all. Something someone said did happen. Whatever the circumstances, maybe it's not just that you think you're hanging by a thread. You feel like you've lost everything. Life is falling apart. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to process it. God knows you're going to have those moments. And if you're looking to anything other than God, then at some point, that thing is going to let you down. If you put anything, if you rely on anyone other than God for your sense of self, for your sense of protection, for your sense of safety, for your, for your future, if you say, my hopes and dreams can only be fulfilled through this person, through this thing, through this endeavor, 
God says at some point this person, this thing, this endeavor will let you down. Anything, anything, anything you rely on instead of God will fail you when you need it most. And God loves you so much. He cares about you so deeply. He values your future and your life so highly that he says, I don't want you to place your trust and your, uh, your security on something that is, un, uh, that is shakable and insecure and not lasting. I want you to place your trust in me. Here's how it says it in Psalm 115. The idols of this world are made of silver and gold. They have a mouth and eyes, but they can't speak or see. Their ears can't hear, their noses can't smell, and their hands have no feeling. Their legs don't move, and they can't make a sound. All who trust in them are just as helpless as those useless gods. You must trust the Lord to help and protect you. God says, I love you so much. I know that life is going to be hard and I know there are going to be difficulties, but don't place anything before me. Why would you trust in an idol that can't do anything when you can trust in the unshakable, unchanging, everlasting, ever faithful, never failing God, and I'm the only one? God isn't saying everyone should worship me and put me first because I'm on an ego trip. He's saying, I want you to put me first because I want something for you. I want your life to be secure. I want your future to be solid. And I want your eternity to be everlasting. He says, put your trust in me. Listen, it is so easy to let idols in. Anything that we place first in our lives before God can be an idol. Anything that we allow to shape our values, our priorities, how we interact and, and relate to people can become a false God. It is so easy for those things to creep in. So simple, so, uh, and we don't even realize it. We need to ask ourselves, do I have a false God in my life? Is it a relationship? Is it a position? Is it a title? Is it my money? Is it my portfolio? Is it something I own? Is it someplace I go? Is it something that I do? Is there something that I have placed in front of God that informs how I view myself, that informs and tells me I can be generous? Listen, there are some of you who take the advice of your financial advisor before the advice of God. And your financial advisor can become a false god. He's, he says, she says, that I can't afford to be generous. God says, where's your security? In a portfolio that tomorrow I can wipe out the stock market and you'll have nothing? Or is it me? So what is in your life that you have elevated before God? Is there something? And if there is, that's an idol. That's a false God. And what I'm here to tell you is this. If you want to level up, you're going to have to stand up to it. You're going to have to stand up to it and fight a battle to the death. Because it will either destroy you or you'll destroy it. But there is no middle ground. So is there an idol in your life? Is there a false God in your life? And what are you willing to do about it? Are you willing to fight? 
Or will you do what so many of us do and simply ignore it and wish it away? But make no mistake, if you don't fight, that thing will just root itself in more and more and more and more. The longer you wait, the more intense the battle will be to get rid of it. And if you never get rid of it, it will destroy you. So are you willing to fight? It might mean giving up something. It might mean walking away from some place. It might mean turning your back on someone. But if you're not willing to do that, you'll never level up. Because if you wanna level up, make no mistake about it, there's an enemy you're gonna need to fight. So here's what I'm gonna ask. If you would just stand to your feet right now, right where you are. I don't know what God's speaking to your heart, but I know I'm putting this message together. God showed me a whole lot of things in mind. So I'm just gonna ask if you just close your eyes and begin to pray. Ask God right now if you have the boldness, if you have the, uh, the determination, if you have the you know, uh, drive, say, God, show me. Show me that thing that place, that person that I have elevated to an idol, a false God, some way in which I find myself, uh, my sense of self, my security, my hope, my future. I find it in that and it's not you. Just begin to pray and ask God to show you what that is. As you're praying, I do wanna say something. Just as you're praying, don't stop praying. But for some of you, for some of you, the first step is, is making and putting God in his right place for the first time. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. So you've got all kinds of things that are first. And it starts by saying, okay, I don't wanna live like that anymore. I wanna put Jesus first in my life. So as you're praying and asking God to show those things, if you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus who lived a perfect life, lived a sinless life and died a horrible death in your place and in my place, he was hung on a cross, buried in a tomb, but three days later, because he was innocent and perfect and he was God in the flesh, he rose from the dead. So not only that your sins can be forgiven, but you can have eternal life. And you can have a relationship with God and say, God, I'm putting you first by putting me down, by laying my life down, by saying, I'm sorry for living for myself not living for you. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you want to do that here this morning, if you're online or you're here with us, as everyone else is praying and just asking God to show them those things in their life, if you just raise your hand and say, I want to, I want to come to Jesus. I want to ask him to forgive me. I want him to be Lord of my life. Right where you are, just raise your hand. Just say, I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of making this about me. I'm tired of thinking I could figure it out. I know I'm, I've, I've messed up and I've hurt a lot of people and wounded a lot of people. And I don't even know if God can love me. God loves you. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you for this moment. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at, with you. He, he, at you. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to put his arms around you and say, welcome home, my daughter. Welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my child. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. If you're online, click the button. And now if everyone would just stop praying internally for a moment and just repeat this prayer after me, whether you raised your hand or not. But if you raised your hand and you mean this, you are 
exchanging your life, being the Lord of your own life, being the God of your own life, and saying, I'm laying that down and I'm, I'm making Jesus the Lord, the God, the King of my life. So if everyone now would just repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you now and I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for living for self, my own ways, my own ideas. I've hurt people. I've wounded them. And I've walked away from you. Please forgive me. I lay down my life and receive new life in Christ. I want him to be my Lord, my God, and my King. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you, so that I can tell others about you, so that I can live with the fruit of the Spirit in my life and the gifts of the Spirit active in my life. Help me to follow you today and all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to God's family. Click the button online that lets us know we can connect with you and help you take those next steps because this is just the beginning. And if we don't come alongside you and help you or other uh, followers of Christ don't do that, you can end up all kind of confused. If you're here this morning, you prayed that prayer. When we're done, please come forward. Let someone pray with you and for you. But now for all of us, what is that idol in your life? What is that false God? What is it that you're worshiping? What is it that you've elevated? Listen, take this serious. Here's what I'm gonna invite you to do as we sing this next song. If you would say, I know what that is. Oh, I know what it is. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. As we play this next song, I'm gonna invite some prayer teams to be up here because spiritual warfare is a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your heart. And if you're not willing to fight, you're gonna walk out of here and say, I know what the idols are. And I walked away and I put my gun down and I wasn't willing to fight. This is that moment. So if you say, I know what it is, have, have the confidence, have the faith, have the determination to come up and ask someone to pray with you and say, I want this dead. I wanna smash it. I wanna break it. I wanna burn it. I want it out. I want it gone. Please help me. Because if you want to fight the enemy, ultimately, what did Asa learn? There's only one place to turn. There's only one person who will bring you victory. And it's not you. It's not even the people praying for you. It's the spirit of the living God moving through them, helping you to find victory. So as we play this song, please come. Let someone pray with you and pray for you and leave here knowing that you are fighting the enemy that you must fight.